Welcome to Smart Branding, a podcast dedicated to branding, naming, and domain names. I'm Tatiana Bonneau, and with my guests, we try to help you create and grow strong, memorable, and meaningful brands online. I believe time is one of our most precious assets, and so I want to thank you in advance if you decide to spend the next 30 minutes with us. I promise to do my best to make those worth it. Let's go! My guest today is Alexandra Watkins. She's a leading and outspoken authority on brand names, author of Hello, My Name is Awesome, which I'm sure like most of you have at least heard of, and generally a go-to source for leading branding and naming agencies globally. Hi, welcome, and thank you for making the time, Alexandra. It's a pleasure. Thank you for having me. So I've, I've read your book and as I just mentioned, I'm sure anybody who has anything to do with naming has has at least heard of it or read like at least some of it. Um, give me a little bit of a background. So how did you get into naming? So I have an unusual background for a namer. I started my career as an advertising copywriter. And every once in a while, I would get thrown a bone and get to name something. And I love naming. But because I was in advertising, I had no idea that naming was actually a profession. And when I discovered that after being a copywriter for 16 years, I switched gears and just said, I'm going to be a professional namer. And I came out of nowhere. And I just immediately started getting freelance work from Landor and Interbrand and strategic name development. So I started uh, all of these, you know, naming firms are putting their good name on my great names. So I realized I really needed to have my own naming firm and not just be a freelancer. So that uh, was the catalyst for Eat My Words. Great. And that's how did you choose your own name? Let's talk about eat my words. You know like, how did you get to that? <laughs> That's a great question. So I started. So I started out. Um, I was naming a lot of things that make people fat and drunk. Like I named <laughs> the Wendy's Baconator. So uh, yeah, the name just fit. The name fit. <laughs> that's that's a great story and it's uh yeah on on that what do you feel and uh, as you said you you've been doing this for some time and you wrote a book um in if i'm not mistaken in 2014 so that's in itself like we're coming up to 10 years how has naming changed over that period how do you feel has it Uh. evolved well, I think it's it's just it's gotten harder because it's hard, hard every year it's harder and harder to get names that clear trademarking. And then of course domain names, if people are insisting on a on an exact match.com domain name, you know, of course it's harder and harder to get those. Um, although now it looks like a lot of people are going towards uh TLDs. And um, the other thing is, you know, obviously chat GPT is changing everything. And I think that, you know, the people just follow trends like, oh, let's leave some vowels out or let's spell this mm. way. And that, I mean, that was one of the main reasons I wrote my book was just to help people understand like how frustrating that is for people. If your name, you know, your name should be frustration free. And so I'm just trying to help people, of you know, avoid all the mistakes. And because people, do, you know, most people don't name things every day. And mm. so they don't know these, they're not realizing all these pitfalls that their name will have. 
So I'm just trying to help people avoid that. Mm, absolutely. And I think it's very, um, we see naming like in daily lives as a very personal thing, if you like, even though it's still like a huge responsibility, like naming a kid, for example, like, you know, that human being is going to live with that name for their whole life. But as you say, we don't do it often. And I think even on that level, many people don't actually realize like it, it has to be a project in itself. You you have to give it the attention it deserves. And when you're talking about products, a company, services, uh, there's so many things that you need to take into account. It's just, yeah, it's just crazy that people think you can just, oh, you know, come up with it and it's okay. <laughs> yeah, people don't spend enough time on it. And it's true. Like with the, with the you know, you're, and that's why I always tell people, think of your own name, like, how long have you had it? How long have people, how many times has somebody seen, said, or, um, you know, read your name over the course of your life? I mean, you can't calculate that and then think of your brand name the same way. And most people have a name that's hard for people to either pronounce or spell. And so I tell them, you know, when you're starting out with a blank slate, don't give yourself any disadvantages. Mm. Yeah, that's definitely a good advice. So you just mentioned uh, like following trends wouldn't be a good idea. And I completely agree with you. And I think on top of the fact that uh, trends are trends, I mean, what makes them trends is they go away. And then you're left with a name that is basically a giveaway of, of when your company started, which goes with all the baggage that goes with with that so that would be one thing not to do can you tell me like in your opinion what are some other common mistakes that people make when naming their sure sure and that's a great point by the way your name does if you have a trendy name it dates you like look at eHarmony right like that name is so dated um or like anything that starts with an i you know i motor it's just so it's in the you know um a fi, anything that ends in a fi. So uh, some common mistakes that people make are, well, I have the smiling scratch test that is my 12-point name evaluation test that's based on my philosophy and name should make you smile instead of scratch your head. And mm-hmm. gra- smile is an acronym for the five qualities that make a name great. Scratch is an acronym for the seven deal breakers. And if it makes you scratch your head, scratch it off the list. So, or makes other people scratch their head. Um, And you have to be honest with yourself with these things about your name. So the S stands for spelling challenge. And we talked about that. You know, it's just going to frustrate people. Someone, Mm. so we have the test is free on our website. If you just go to eatmywords.com and click on test a name. So I see people taking the test all day long. And like yesterday, someone took the test and they had the name Accelerate, but it was spelled with an H in it. Like, you know, mm. oh, that's a thing, yeah. Yeah, F-C-E-L-E-R-8. And that's just gonna frustrate the F out of people. Oh, so yeah, that don't don't do that. Um, the C copycat. A lot of people have copycat names, and that comes back to trends, right? They're just trying mm-hmm. to be like somebody else. Um, the R stands for restrictive, and that's when you have a name that fits you one day, but then you you outgrow it, and you're stuck. Mm-hmm. With it. So you have to look into your crystal ball. 
and make sure that your name will fit you no matter what you become. And the A stands for annoying. And that is, you know, going back to the frustration factor. Does your name have a number in it that, Mm -hmm. you know, like we talked about accelerate. So, you know, is it spelled backwards? Are you just trying to be, because a lot of people think like, oh, I'm being so creative. And just because you're being creative doesn't mean it's a good idea. Mm -hmm. And uh, let's see, S-C-R-A. T stands for tame, and that's just where your name is flat and descriptive, and it's not standing out. You're kind of a wallflower fading into the background, and no one can afford to be tame right now. And then the second C stands for curse of knowledge, and that is where you know what it means. Maybe the engineers know what it means, but Mm. you forget that your target audience doesn't know what it means. And often a good way to think of the curse of knowledge is the word foreign. Is it foreign to other people? Is it a foreign word? Uh, you know, mm. a, a, you know, people that live in the United States are notorious for not knowing foreign language, foreign languages, pronunciations, all of that stuff that, you know, people from other countries know. (laughs) And then finally the H in scratch stands for hard to pronounce. And not only should your name be intuitive to pronounce, it should be able to be, people should only pronounce it one way because when you Mm -hmm. have a name that's pronounced multiple ways, it dilutes your brand. Absolutely. Definitely agree with all what you said and very much could say that applies to uh, domain names from from my experience and all of that. Like I have so many conversations with entrepreneurs who um, started with a name that had a descriptive word and now they've outgrown that like they're offering more services or they're opening to different markets and they're like, it's in the name. Now we have to change the name. Um, yeah, so that's that's very relevant. We talk about the yeah the the timing as well. Let's talk about domain names. I'm I'm absolutely can't not bring that up. And um, uh, it's funny because I've read, I think you had an article. It's in the book as well, but you had an article that was still is very popular about um, how people make bad cho- choices about their brand name because they can get the matching.com domain. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously I work with people who have started on what we call compromise names and are looking to secure that exactbrandmatch.com for a long list of reasons. So what is your experience with that? Well, it's interesting that you said that yesterday I got briefed on a project and the client, they they just knew like, all right, let's start. I've never heard that word, comprom- that phrase compromise name, but yeah, they're willing to add a modifier. Most people are, they'll just add uh, another word to it to secure the domain and then, you know, hope that their company becomes wildly successful and that they can purchase the exact match domain name at some point. Um, but one thing that I love that people do with domain names is when they're very clever and creative. So my favorite example is a smoked turkey company. And it has a, you know, it's just a family name. It's a boring name. It's called Greenberg Smoked Turkeys. And Greenberg could be spelled with, you know, B-E-R-G or B-U-R-G. So it's a difficult name for that reason. Mm. It's not particularly memorable, but their domain name is absolutely unforgettable. 
And I love to say it around Thanksgiving and it's gobblegobble.com. <laughs> cool. Yeah, that's that's a that's a great creative way to do it. Yeah. I think it touches on what you mentioned with the name where you have you diluting the brand in a way when there is mismatch between, and that's it's across everything. I think, you know, it's, if you have two different, as you mentioned, pronunciations of the same words, or I think with, when you talk about global companies, it gets harder and harder because you can have the same writing that a person from a different country would pronounce differently. Um, I remember that it's not a brand, but when I got to, France for the first time and I was asking about Wi-Fi, like what's the Wi-Fi password? Where is the Wi-Fi? And people are saying Wi-Fi, Wi-Fi. And I was like, what are they talking about? And the funny thing is recently we left France and I've got so used to saying Wi-Fi and not Wi-Fi that that like in other countries I was like, can I have the Wi-Fi password? And they're like, what? <laughs> but yeah, so so I I think um even though I do work with only .com domain names and I have my reasons for that, um, I feel it's, um, it's, it's all about making the life of the customer easier and the less friction you have on all levels, obviously the easier it is for, for a brand to uh, market itself and, and, you know, word of mouth generally like the ease of use and access, etc. So that goes across everything, the domain name. And so if I'm for exact brand match.com domain names is because I feel because of the history of those names, it's just, people don't have to put more effort to remember them. So in a way, if you can't afford that, I feel the example that you just mentioned, you're much better off doing that than trying to, you know, modify whatever or go with a name that actually you don't like and doesn't fit because you can't afford the name, the domain. Yeah. But, you know, if you look at like Tesla for the first 13 years, was it Tesla mm. Motors? Motors, exactly. Right. And, and you know, if you had wanted to buy a Tesla, you know, test drive a Tesla at that time, and you went to tesla.com, you would have gotten, you would have seen a, a very ominous looking website that said this site is owned by GandhiNet. And at that point, what would you have done? You know, you wouldn't just give up. You would have just gone to your browser, gone to Google and typed in, you know, Tesla car, Tesla test drive, you know, Tesla dealer, and you would have found it and like, boom, you would have been there so quickly and you wouldn't have even noticed what the domain name was. You just wouldn't and you wouldn't care and it wouldn't prevent you from buying a Tesla and you wouldn't not, you wouldn't say, oh, like, I don't trust this company because they don't have an exact match domain name. And, you know, Facebook was the Facebook Dropbox was get Dropbox, um, mm -hmm. Basecamp was Basecamp HQ. So all of these companies have, I, li I like to say, um, they they went around the roadblock, right? They avoided the roadblock and just bought, you know, square, square up. So yeah, it's just, you know, people get so hung up and they often start by looking for the domain name first. And I advise to find a great name first and then, and then get your domain, you know, do your legal screenings, then get your domain name because people 
people spend, they spend so much time and they spend a small fortune buying every single, and I know this is good for you, but they do buy a lot of domain names. Oh, the, the type of domain names I work with, they don't buy a lot of this, usually one name and it's the perfect name. And that's, that's very much actually avoiding having to buy all the other names, because when you have the exact brand match.com, you, you don't worry about the rest because you are the one. Uh, but that is something that's been highlighted um, recently with um, my other guests as well on that topic. Um, and we kind of keep getting to the same conclusion, which I guess means something <laughs> that um, I'm actually communicating with people as well on the phone is a lot of people. And even I had a naming guest recently whose advice was, advice was something that I wouldn't have expected him actually to say. I think it was Aaron um, Hall from Siegel and Gale. And he was saying uh, like, it's actually okay if people launch projects without being so fixed on the name to get an idea, to get a feeling of what it is they're doing, you know, have it form its own character and then actually focus um, on, on getting right that name because it may even evolve in that process. Like you, at the beginning, you're so excited and you're not even sure what, what it's going to shape like. So yeah, let's talk about that. What yeah, I is the right timing? I totally disagree with that. Like, why would you want to, why would you want to spend a dime promoting anything that, you know, the name is going to change and we have people all the time. Well, we'll just launch with like a placeholder name and then we'll come back and do the real name. Mm. Like why, why would you do that? I don't understand. Why would you then have to tell people like, Oh, the name is changing or it's just a placeholder. You're making excuses for it. Like get a name that you love from the get go. I mean, you're hiring attorneys, you are developing identity, you know, branding materials. Like, I don't know. I, for me, I'm I'm really surprised that came from, from any professional namer, especially someone at Siegel and Gale, that, that surprised me. Um, I'll double check, but I think it was him. And we were talking about that, that people at the beginning of the project are so excited about it that they like they don't have the right, they're, they're not in the right space and it's not the right, um, like they, they don't know the project as well, if you like. And it, it could be, we're talking about different timing in that process of launching a company. So yeah, on that, what do you feel is the right time for someone to uh, come to someone like you? And also what would the process be like? Is it, you know, because there is obviously the book, like can people just buy the book, read it and name their company, or is it better to reach out to you or somebody like yourself and, and do the pro, pro do the project with them? That's a great question. Well, most Every client that comes to me is someone who has read my book, really love the book, love my names, tried it on their own, and then just said, you know what, I came up with some using your book, but I know you can come up with better ones, or I'm too busy, you do it, or we're a big mm -hmm. company, you do it. But I think the best time to come is after you have tried it on your own. Um, and also if you have, because a lot of people run into, they can't get anything to clear legal that, that happens all the time. That's why a lot of consumer package goods clients come to us because they can't clear, find anything. And we always can. I mean, look, it's not always easy. I will admit, you know, we're naming one mm. right now. And yesterday the client said only one of the 10 names that they screen cleared, but that's normal. That's normal. So, mm. um, we, you know, we just named a healthcare company and 
a lot of names got got killed in trademarking, but they ultimately got a name that they love. So, hmm. you know, we we try harder <laughs> like like Avis. Um, but yeah, so I would say make sure you have all of your strategy work done. So you are really clear on this is what my brand is, that you know the tone and personality of your name, that you know how your name would be used in a sentence, because that's really important to think about. I mean, I had a call with this client yesterday and they're they they have a lot of different things that their name could be, you know, this style or this style. And then I had them in the brief, write an acid test sentence. And just reading that sentence, I said, look, this sentence says exactly how you should be positioning yourself, which is what my gut reaction was anyway. Because sometimes a client can get too close to it. And it mm. takes someone like, like me or an, another outsider to come in and look at it and say, this is what you need to be. So yeah, mm. I think a good namer can help with strategy as well. And helping clients focus on the right thing and not get lost in the forest. Mm. I think, yeah, that's definitely something that um, that I see a lot where people get too close. And especially with, yeah, n- naming is something that's like a, a it, maybe it happens where people just wake up with some, you know, super idea and that's it. But I think that that is very, very rare. So um, at least in the naming experiences that I've been involved with, at some point you you it it feels like your your head is in a cloud like there's just so much and you can't you can't see things clearly. Yeah, I think that that's why it's good to have an objective test like the smile and scratch test, and also to you know that's where you know once you narrow it down, so like you know we're looking at three name finalists, then you can ask yourself more questions. You know how does you know what's the availability of the domain name. How does it appear in a Google search? You know, is there, are there other things with that name? Are, um, you know, a lot of times we're naming things that a client might want to monetize the name. So, you know, we're naming a frozen yogurt store and the client wants merchandise that they can sell. So, mm-hmm. you know, we're looking at a name like Spoon Me for frozen yogurt store. Like, you know, that's going to sell a lot of t-shirts. So we look at things like that as well. Mm-hmm. That's very funny. That's cool. Um, what else did I want to ask you? What about personal brands? Do you work with that? Do you have any thoughts on that? Yes, that's a great question. And I just, the, I gotta say the phrase personal branding makes me cringe. I don't, I guess <laughs> it's like really like a person needs to have a brand, but I guess we all have our thing, right? Like with me, you're looking at me right now, you can see have a pink microphone. I'm wearing a pink sweater, I have pink fingernails. I got my pink Barbie Corvette behind me. What you can't see is I was Barbie for Halloween. I have the back of our house is painted. <laughs> the back of our house is painted pink, but not the front, not the front. <laughs> so yeah, I guess that would be my personal brand is pink. But yeah, so here's what I tell people about personal brands. You should have a moniker. So for instance, um, I worked with this, uh, this guy named Bruce and he, he bills himself as the father of cause marketing. And I said, you're the cause father. And he loved that. <laughs> and he owned it. And he has a card where he is, you know, dressed up in a tuxedo and he's, you know, he looks like the, the, you know, he's, he's, uh, it's his favorite movie, by the way, which is just ran- so random. 
but yeah, he's like, he's leaning into that. He owns it. Another woman that I know of, um, Lauren Vasquez is an attorney that specializes in cannabis and she calls herself the fired up attorney. I <laughs> work with a real estate, uh, a real estate agent who is a former flight attendant. She's a bubbly blonde. She's very self-deprecating. And she's, she was a flight attendant for years. She still loves to travel and talk about it. So uh, her moniker is the, the flighty realtor. So mm -hmm. if you can do, if you can have a moniker, so it's not the name of your brand, but it's just how you position yourself, then that's great. You know, you can call that part of your personal brand. Hmm. And I, I saw you have your own name as a domain name that goes to the ETO. Uh, I do. Yeah. I do. Would so, you advise people doing that? What are, what is what are the thoughts behind that? Yeah. Well, for when I was a freelance copywriter, I was just using my own name, Alexander Watkins. So I, I bought the domain name, and all these years later, it's been over twenty years that I've owned it. And mm -hmm. yeah, I just now it was really hard for me to give up my copywriting website because I love that website, but. I thought, well, if anyone types in my name, I want it to redirect to eat my words. So I do that. But yeah, I tell people do a redirect if, well, like if your name is hard to spell or maybe there's a plural version, not a plural version. So if you can do a simple redirect and people don't understand how seamless it is, like you, no one even notices, you know, they type in whatever mm -hmm. they think your domain is, they get to your site and they might not have even noticed that, oh, the domain name changed when I typed it in. Mm -hmm. So yeah, now I'm a big I'm a big believer in that. Or if you're using a promotional, a promotional uh or a promotional uh domain name. So like I or just something to go to somewhere specific on your site. I think mm -hmm. I have a pro name review because I'll do I'll do a professional name review. So that goes to the page, the the checkout page for that. Mm -hmm. So yeah, names masterclass I own that goes to the, the area on my site talking about my masterclass. So if it's something really easy for people to remember, yeah, I recommend get the domain name for it. Mm. I love for creating you creative uses of domains, and that's something that many people don't think about don't talk about but actually uh bigger more established brands they they have a lot of fun with it uh, and i mean we've seen some examples of exactly as you just mentioned like domain names dedicated to a particular marketing campaign or course or masterclass or and it's a it's a really goes back to what i was saying earlier making uh, the ultimate goal is making users life or customers life easier. And yeah, that's a great way to do it. Yeah. I believe in, yeah. If you have a phrase or a hashtag and you can turn that into a domain name, um, a couple other domain names that I love. Um, I love peanut butter and I was at the fancy food show one year and I was, there was probably more than a dozen peanut butter purveyors there and I was going around trying them all. And I turned the corner and I saw this banner above a booth and it said, I love peanutbutter.com. And I was like, mm. oh, that's so easy to remember. And it was for a company called Peanut Butter and Co. And they own peanutbutterandco.com. But if you go there, it redirects to I love peanut butter, which is interesting, right? It's like the opposite of what people usually do. But the mm. reason they do it is it's fun. 
um, if you work there, chances are you love peanut butter. And like, oh my gosh, I would love to have the email address, Alexandra at I love peanut butter. <laughs> That's right? very cool. Yeah. And, yeah. That, yeah, absolutely. That is something that I think a lot of people underestimate when, um, and you could say that about names as well, where they're thinking about, okay, my target audience, my target audience, what are your thoughts on um, the implications of a name on your team on so internally in the company? Oh my gosh, huge. No, that that's such a good question. I actually have a um, chapter in my book called Corporate Creativity that gives a lot of examples of just names, names for just beyond naming your team. So you could have an internal name for your team, right? So at um, Yahoo, their security division, they call the Paranoids. Like it's so <laughs> fun, right? Right? Mm. Like, Anytime you give someone a reason to love their job more, and it's like, it's free, it's free. Naming your conference rooms, it's free, right? I mean, what, you pay a couple bucks to have some nameplates made? So like, mm. that's another example. So like at Etsy, they name some of their meeting rooms uh, musician food mashups. So <laughs> Fleetwood Mac and Cheese, Sushi and the Banshees, our um, Oreo speed wagon, right? Like those are fun. And I give a lot of free, uh, free examples of things that you could name your conference rooms. One of my favorite is tongue twisters because <laughs> give people, a re you know, childhood toys, dances, you know, let's meet in funky chicken. Like, like <laughs> if you think about that, it's so much more fun. It just adds a little smile in the workday more than, Oh, let's meet in, you know, 23 a, or um, the most popular conference room name in the world is Paris because a lot of people name their conference rooms after cities, <laughs> but that's not really exciting or interesting. Um, yeah, d d do fun things. But so, yeah, name your team. Name, like, look at companies that have fun names for softball teams or Toastmaster clubs. My favorite. So, Toastmasters is an international organization that helps people with. Um, public speaking, leadership, and mainly speaking. And my favorite, there's so many great Toastmaster club names. My favorite in San Francisco at Pacific Gas and Electric is Electric Toasters. And <laughs> at Bayer, uh, they have the, the pharmaceutical company, they have an animal health division and their Toastmaster club name is Sit, Stay, Speak. <laughs> So yeah, have fun, have fun with, with names at work. I mean, gosh, uh, companies call, like have fun names for their internal divisions. So, or like corporate communication. So Disney's is called yellow shoes because of Mickey Mouse's shoes. Um, <laughs> so yeah, McDonald's is, oh God, it's yellow. I think. Is it yellow one, two, three, something like that? It's the Pantone color of the golden mm. arches. A lot of people think it's from the dollar menu. <laughs> Nothing was a dollar anymore, but no, it's the Pantone yellow of the arches. So yeah, you can have fun, have fun. Any opportunity for you to have fun with names, have fun with names. Love it. I, and I think it's yeah, hugely underestimated. And like you say, I mean, if it's just for like making people smile, that 
is already huge and, and it can do yeah so much more. It's it's great. I love it. And I think everybody should consider yeah naming more things. <laughs> yeah, I think wait, I have to say one. Is it a Groupon? Groupon has really good conference names and one of my favorites is this used to be a forest. <laughs> so yeah, they can be long, they can be long, but let the employees get involved and vote. Like mm-hmm. anything just to make your corporate culture more. And people forget it's not just the employees, it's the people that are potential, potential employees, the people that are visitors to your office. Mm-hmm. I remember uh doing a project for Riverbed Technology and all of their conference rooms were named after fish. And I just thought that was so creative. <laughs> That's fun. Yeah. Absolutely. You have, correct me if I'm wrong, a new edition of the book. That yes. the book has been so what is new there? Uh in the new edition, it was the chapter on corporate creativity. I added the original book was about 100 pages and this new one is 150, but there's no fluff. I, I really was very, I, I, you know, how many of us have started business books and not finished them, but I designed my book. So it's, it's you know, just the meat. There's no extraneous fluff. It even, I even wrote a sentence about that in the foreword, which is called what's new pussycat. You know, again, like, it's not called a forward. It's called, you know, it's not called, you know, what's new. It's called what's new pussycat. So yeah, I even say, um, I say there's no extraneous fluff. And I wanted to say that would make a great name for a band, but I didn't because <laughs> that would like, that would be contradictory <laughs> to me saying there's no Strike extraneous <laughs> fluff. Yeah. So, so yeah, no, it's, it's pure. Cause I wanted people to be able to have like a how-to guide where they could read it and apply it and just start using it right away. There's no like history of names. There's no, it's not heavy. It's just light and fun. Like people, people, so many people say it's, and it is, it's fun. It's fun. It's funny. It will make you laugh out loud. Don't read a milk. Don't drink a milkshake while you're (laughs) reading it or it might squirt out of your nose. (laughs) Like it's just a warning label. The book. (laughs) Yeah, you should have it. (laughs) Put the milkshake down. (laughs) Cool. Um, What are your thoughts on, we we did sort of a touch on chat GPT, artificial intelligence. Uh, um, I'm I'm sure you, like everyone else, have started getting that, you know, scrolling on whatever social media and even getting emails and going, oh my God, not chat GPT again. Yeah, if I get another email that says, (laughs) I hope this email finds you well. Well. Like like, it's just an automatic, I should actually have that as a, as a filter to like go directly to track. <laughs> yeah, no, they're, they're bad. Um, chat GPT for namers. I, the way that the area I found it to be most helpful is to write the rationale of like, why is this a good name? Cause I can articulate it, but chat GPT can write paragraphs about it, which I love. Um, I, it's great for brainstorming. The other day I, I was brainstorming Americana names for something and I just put into chat GPT, give me a hundred words associated with the movie Top Gun. Cause that's very like mm. the spirit of America. And so it spit those out. So that's where I find it helpful coming up with names. Not so much. Um, 
yeah, there's some really bad names, still some really bad names, but if you know how to prompt it correctly, you can get some gems once in a while, but, uh, you know, it's not going to be able to tell you, you know, to really deeply analyze a name the way that a professional namer could. Um, but it certainly has been helpful. Mm. So the namers are no doubt to jump in. <laughs> not yet, no, but like, yeah, no, I, I'm just looking towards the future of like, what's, what's the land? Cause it changes so fast. And mm. the way that I've seen it change really quickly is using, um, on open AI, their, their image, their image creator, Dolly. Mm. I, the, the, the other day I like in April for Easter, I had it make me a picture of Jesus riding a chocolate bunny and it was good, you know, but then I did it a couple of days ago and it was completely different and so much better. And I was mm. like, oh, that was, that's moving very rapidly. Mm, absolutely. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, I think the, the, I, I found what you said, I find the prompt like you have to use it well, which is, um, which is making all the difference then in, in the good um, output. And, and so it's going to be more about people who were already good at what they're doing and they can now accelerate that and do more and do better and bigger, et cetera, et cetera. I don't feel like if you were bad at naming or whatever it is, your uh, area of expertise, you're suddenly going to be like, boom, <laughs> you know, that's not going to fix it. Yeah. But it makes me, now that you say that, I bet there's people on Fiverr that are like now namers. Or yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> what's that? What's that one crowdsourcing site? Um, what's that one? There's a name crowdsourcing site. I can't think of the name of it. All right. And then, of course, that's that's, that's bad. To, if you can't think of that's really bad. But then the the one that just makes me cringe is Brand Bucket. I call it Barf Bucket. It's a domain. <laughs> it's a domain reseller. I'm sure you're familiar with it. The names yeah. are just so cringe, and it's like really like people are paying money for those. They're terrible. <laughs> I'm and just thought, checking if Barf Bucket is available because <laughs> I think that's a business opportunity. There. <laughs> well, I always say the only domain name that's not taken is Beige Kumquat. <laughs> <laughs> Because oh, every color and fruit is taken, right? <laughs> I think the majority of, yeah, I think the majority of, of, of dictionary words in more than just English, they, they probably taken, yeah. Yeah. How many domain names do you own? I mean, personally, not many. Not many. We at Mark Upgrade, we manage the main portfolios. But I personally, I think like everybody else, I'm going to have to admit, like I have some names that I was like, oh, that's a great name. I'm going to do something with that. Like some idea of a project and it's like still sitting there like five years later. Yeah, <laughs> I stopped buying them for that reason because I, yeah, I would come up with like a great name. Like Perfect Snowflake is one that I owned. I own Forcery like sorcery, but with an app sorcery, I own that for probably 15 years. And I finally just let it go because the problem with being creative is you're really creative. You can come up with names, but unless you're trying to market them to someone, people aren't finding them. And also I don't think there's the value in coming up with a name. Like maybe it's a longer name, but it's very creative, but if, but it's not being valued because I know the way domains are valued is often length comes into play. And 
my feeling is it's better to have a long name that's memorable than a short name that's forgettable. Mm. Or not easy to spell. That's another. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, I look at these four or five letter, you know, if you go on Brand Bucket and you look at four and five letter domain names, I mean, they're just impossible. They're just impossible. They look like games of drunken Scrabble. <laughs> I think I don't know. Uh, there was a book I was reading recently about usability, about website usability, and there was a good phrase there. It was like design your website as if, it, as if it's made for somebody who's like drunken in a hurry. I'm like, yeah, that's, <laughs> like, that's good. That's, that's really very good. good. <laughs> I love that. That's really good. Because <laughs> the, the, the reality is, you know, I read it and I was like, oh, that's a bit too much. And then I'm like, no, we're, we're all, you're on your phone. You have like gazillion things you're doing. You, you're very much at that level, I think. That would be a fun focus group to do. Yeah. <laughs> okay, everybody, get drunk and be yeah. in a You understand these names. <laughs> there we go. There we go. And I think you won't have trouble finding participants for that one. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. Well, that's that's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much, Alexandra. We're gonna include all the things that we mentioned as links in the write-up for the podcast so people can reach you um yeah thank you thank you for making this oh my gosh my pleasure i loved all your questions it's so great to talk to another insider that uh is really super familiar with names yeah i'm definitely calling you the next time i need a domain name (laughs) (laughs) yeah i'll be happy to help okay thank you Thank you for joining us in this episode of Smart Branding Podcast. Feel free to visit smartbranding.com for more information and reach out if you have any suggestions, questions, ideas, or just want to learn more about how a good domain name strategy can help you build a strong and successful brand. See you next time.